attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. All right, Entree Architect community, it's time for Context and Clarity Live, where we spend an hour every Thursday afternoon searching for clarity around the things that matter most to you the architect. And it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm or if you own your own firm. Maybe you dream of starting your own thing. Maybe you've even said that 2021 is my year and you're on the runway to starting your own thing. Or maybe you have had a firm for a year or 10 years or 20 years and you're starting to rethink or reimagine what that firm could or maybe even should be. All of the topics that we cover fall under the broad umbrella of the business of architecture and they're all the need-to-know topics for the success of architects just like you. If we've never met before, my name is Jeff Eccles, and what you're about to listen to is the audio recording of a conversation that my co-host Catherine McPhail and I had last week with our Context and Clarity guest. Every week, we have a new guest and a new topic, so let's jump right into the conversation. All right, Entree Architect community, it's 4 p.m. Eastern, which means it's time for the Entree Architect Context and Clarity live conversation for Thursday, October 28th, 2021. Thanks for joining us today. As you get here, say hi. Let us know that you're here and let us know where you're joining the conversation from, just like Scott Thrift has done from sunny San Francisco. Scott is the first in on my screen, so he is the winner of today's Crocheted Bathtub Award. So welcome, Scott. Congratulations. Uh, and everybody else is out there, say hi when you get there. If we've never met before, my name is Jeff. I come here every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern for one reason, so that we can find clarity around the things that matter most to you, the architect. It doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm or you own your own firm. Maybe you've circled a date on the calendar. You said 2021 is my year and you're on the runway to starting your own thing. Or maybe you have owned your own firm for a year or 10 years or 26 years. You're starting to rethink or maybe even reimagine what that firm could or maybe even should be. All of the topics that we cover, one topic every day, they all fall under the broad umbrella of the business of architecture. And they're all the need-to-know topics for the success of small firm architects just like you. So thanks for joining us today. This is a special uh, Context and Clarity live session, which we have every Thursday afternoon. It's our simulcast version. It's broadcast out to the Entree Architect Community Facebook group as well as the Entree Architect YouTube channel, the Entree Architect Twitch stream. Lost lost that one for just a second. And uh, to LinkedIn as well. So welcome from wherever on the internet you're joining us today. Glad to have you here. We always have a special guest with us on Thursdays, and I always have my special guest host with me on Thursdays. So Catherine, welcome back. You were uh, you actually were not with me last week. You were at Fiddle Camp. So how was Fiddle Camp? And fiddle camp was great. It was great and weird. It's weird to be with people again like that. And we were all masked inside. So I don't know. It was it was great though. It was nice to be playing the music. 
So. So you were the mask fiddlers. We were the mask fiddlers. Yeah. Uh, speaking of music, you know, I I know I mentioned this today on Facebook, but the Context and Clarity Choir. I'm thinking we would not be harmed by having a rehearsal of some or a practice, not a rehearsal. You but know, I, I think that would uh, I think that would ruin the vibe, actually. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I think it would improve the vibe. We would still be very bad, but I feel like we'd have a plan. Right now, <laughs> we don't have a plan. But that's just the musician in me, I guess. So yeah, I, I think so. I mean, we're we're sort of at the ultimate badness, so. I think there's some beauty in that. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> I just want to agree on tempo. I know we can't agree on a key because no one's going to be able to just get it. For for those okay. of you that are wondering what we're talking about, um, mm-hmm. we do this context and clarity thing, uh, context and clarity conversations every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern. But every weekday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, we're on the Clubhouse app. And the tradition is started mm-hmm. by Christian Nielsen Palacios, who I see there has joined us. Uh, from Facebook, he says he was first in YouTube. Maybe we have to give out multiple crochet bathtubs when we do the simulcast version. But uh, Christian leads us every day on Clubhouse when it's someone's birthday. Everyone unmutes and sings happy birthday. And it is the most marvelous, ridiculous, horrible, wonderful version of of, uh, happy birthday that you've ever heard. I'm sorry, but Chris says it's not conceivable how bad it is. That's (laughs) the comment. It is inconceivable. Absolutely. And uh, yesterday was Michelle's birthday. Um, and she didn't show up yesterday, but she showed up today. So we still got her. We still were able to sing to her. And, and it was it was um, quite It horrific. was awful. But the worst yeah, part about it was, it was how slow it was. That is the worst part. <laughs> it's like a dirge. It's not a happy song at all when we sing it like that. We need it more yeah. like, there we go so much faster that way. Maybe you can keep the beat for us. You can keep the tempo. No, no one listens whatsoever. This is why I'm thinking of practicing. But okay, that was my uh, thought for the day. All right, all right, that's your thought for the day. Hello Mm -hmm. to everyone that has joined us. Uh, We'll we'll uh, we'll think about practicing with the context and clarity choir. Not right now. We're not going to do that live. That truly would break the internet. But uh, for those of you that are joining us, uh, if you're joining us from Facebook, first of all, welcome. You are joining us from the Entree Architect Community Facebook group, which is a closed, a private group just for architects around the world, which means that your information, because of Facebook privacy policy, cannot be broadcast across the internet, broadcast outside of Facebook, unless you give Facebook permission. So if you want to show up like Scott Thrift does with his name and his likeness there, uh, or Christian or uh, Mark LePage, hire Mark LePage, then you need to give Facebook permission. So look down to the lower left-hand corner of your screen right now. There's a URL. It's chat.restream.io slash FB, as in Facebook. It's a really simple process. You go to that uh, go to that website, go to that URL, and you can give Facebook permission to let your name and, and likeness out for the purpose of this conversation today. So if you want to show up, as something other than Facebook user, which we have learned not to abbreviate, uh, then you need to go to chat.restream.io slash FB. Um, and I see uh, Don Duncan. Hi, Don Duncan. Great to see you joining us from LinkedIn. Um, let's see who Diego is joining us from Nicaragua. Barry's joining us from Scotland on uh, LinkedIn. Diego's in on uh, uh, YouTube there. And I saw Kurt a minute ago from uh, on the uh, Twitch side of things. So we've got all four platforms covered today. And for those of you that are joining us in the future on the podcast version of this, welcome. Thanks for listening in. Glad that you're here. And I'll remind you, uh, especially for podcast listeners, that after we uh, wrap up this Context and Clarity Live conversation, Catherine and I go backstage with a uh, mystery guest and we break the conversation down. We talk about what we learned, our biggest takeaways, how can how we can apply what we learned, we call that context and clarity backstage. The uh, the context and clarity live version of the podcast is published on Mondays at noon Eastern. The context and clarity backstage version is published on Tuesdays at noon Eastern. So check that out. We can't tell you who the guest is. You just have to listen and find out and then tell us the next week who that guest was. And speaking of guests, it's about time. Probably ran out of green M&Ms in the green room by now. So let me just introduce our guest today is an adventurer, an advocate, and an author. She's a leader, a mentor, and an architect. She's the director, a director of the on the National AIA Strategic Council. She's the architect 
I'm just kicking this all over the place. She's an architect at Ratio Design in Indianapolis, the owner of L Square Design, and the author of ARE Sketches Volume 1 and Volume 2, and The Little Architect's Alphabet, Laura T. Garden. Welcome to Context and Clarity Live. Hello. Thank you for Glad having to me you today. It's great to have you, and uh, we see the world map behind you, and at least I only see one dog right now, so yep, we, everybody yep. be on the lookout for for another dog back there. But yep. uh, it's great to have you and the dogs with us today. Yeah, thanks Thanks again for having me. Hi, Kurt. Um, I'm waving north uh, in your direction, so... Yeah, it's uh, there are there. You will see some fam familiar names, if not familiar faces, in the tiny little circles here on the screen. So uh, there are several people that uh, know you, that are friends, and we're looking forward to this conversation today. So it's great to have you here with us today, uh, as well as everybody else that's joining us in our live virtual audience. That's one of the the uh, beauties of this platform that we have. We can stream out all over the internet to uh, all points of the world. And as I look around right now. Who, I, I also like to give out the uh, award for furthest virtually traveled. And I think right now, so we've got Diego down in Nicaragua. Uh, so everybody in the U.S., you're, you're just going to lose this, I think, unless you're in Hawaii, perhaps. But uh, uh, Diego's down in Nicaragua. Barry is in Scotland. And Carly's in Reading, England. So um, somebody's going to have to do the mapping for me. I'm not sure which is furthest traveled right now. But uh, it's great to have people from all around the world in these conversations. And as I said, we're featuring today Laura Teagarden, architect, advocate, and author. So, um, Laura, I think the first question that we've got to ask, again, you've, you've published three books now, right? Um, why do you write books? Um, well, one of my passions, one of my whys to life, is sharing knowledge and helping improve the profession. And if you think about what these three books so far are um, focused on, they are focused on helping people get licensed and thereby helping them engage in and improve the profession at a professional level. And then also um, children's book, right? So it's about getting architecture and the world around them in front of little kids as early as we possibly can. Um, because the reality is a 10 year old today is an intern in 2030. Like if you want to have your mind blown, just yeah. think about that. Um, 30, that seems like the future, but it's really not that long from now. It seems yeah. like it's yeah. quite good. Yikes. You're right. So, I'll be nice to those 10 year olds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you think about who's getting access to architecture, we're already behind if they're in fourth grade. And they don't know about it. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a really great point. And every once in a while, so for those of you that maybe are listening in, maybe you've never joined us before, maybe you're catching the podcast for the first time, we started Context and Clarity on April 6th of 2020. So we're a lot of conversations in at this point every weekday at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. And we talk about, on a fairly regular basis, the idea of... Right helping the public understand architects this week we said how do we help the public understand or learn more about understand architecture instead of architects and that's uh, obviously this week is inspired by your book the little architects abcs um or little Arch little architects alphabet but um but i think that's really important for all of the um maybe complaints that we get about the public not understanding, you know, not valuing architects, et cetera. I think the idea of starting with ABCs is a, is a great place to start. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of uh, great feedback uh, in the past year about um, parents noticing that their kids on walks are more engaged uh, with the world around them. Parents learning alongside their kids about the world around them. Um, so yeah, that's just amazing, uh, for my happy little heart to hear when you think about, <laughs> uh, when you think about how you want to engage people at a, at a young age to think about the world. So, yeah, and, and there, there's a great reminder, everybody read to your kids. That's really important. Um, so you've got the two books, ARE sketches, like you said, uh, for, uh, 
study aids for mm-hmm. studying for the architect's registration exam in the United States. And you've got the little architect's alphabet. Where do you come up with these ideas? Where do you come up with, you know, how do you come up with, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to not only write a book to help study for the ARE, but I'm going to make it sketch-based. Where does that idea come from? Uh, The ARE sketches idea came from having uh, created a community like this online um, in the process of studying for my tests um, and just sharing with each other tips and tricks that we learned along the way or things that we found helpful. And I... um, mentioned that I found it very helpful for me to sketch out what I was reading in the ballast book and um, it created better visual recall. I mean, imagine that we're all architects. Um, And so some friends asked if I would share them and obviously didn't want to just take pictures and share my uh, note scratch from my tests. So I started professionalizing them on my iPad and um, sharing them slowly on Instagram and other places. Um, and then, you know, it kind of just continued to grow organically. People wanted to have a singular place where they could uh, see them all. Um, so we started looking at um, different avenues, both digitally and uh, uh, in hand. And it ended up that uh, publishing a book was the easiest way to go. Um, so I have friends who said, you know, they read it for 20 minutes a day on their mass transit commute, or they read 10 a night before bed, um, or they literally have it side by side and use it as a visual, visual interpretation guide as they're studying ballast. So, um, yeah, that was, that was kind of that background. Um, obviously the, uh, little architects alphabet was different in the way that we just talked about and my sister had just had her first kid at the time um, and I wanted to get architecture in front of him and I've now signed myself up for a world of hurt because I now have a little niece that I need to make a book for Um, but no I'm I'm excited to figure out what the next thing is that the little architect will do so yeah that's that's really cool that yeah you started the brainwashing early which is a good thing um, you have set yourself up and you, you mentioned Instagram. So for those of you out there, uh, whether you're in our live virtual audience right now, or you're listening in the future, you need to check out Laura's Instagram account. It's uh, L2 design LLC. And, and you'll see not only, uh, things having to do with her books, but also her, uh, um, uh, L, you call it L2 HQ, right? Mm-hmm. The, the house projects. How long have you been renovating your home now? Uh, seven years. Just seven hit, seven just years. It's a crazy seven. There you go. So <laughs> you, you can, I, I've been living vicariously for seven years watching uh, Laura's house progress, but uh, um, you should check out her Instagram account. There's, like she said, that's one of the places that the sketches started. And uh, it's uh, it's fun to uh, fun to follow along there. Um, hmm. L- L2, what is it again? L2 like, Design, I like to get right on things. L2 Design. All right. L2 Design, LLC. As Laura's, uh, or probably just type in Laura T. Garden and you might, you might find that. But uh, uh, it's a good place to go. So, you, um, so is it fair to say you, you just you recognize a need? Is that, or, or is it recognize a, an opportunity? I don't know. Um, um. I mean, it probably was both, but it was definitely a need-driven thing, Um, and I kind of let, especially the ARE sketches, grow organically. I didn't want to, obviously, as a recently licensed architect at the time, I was already more than busy, Um, so I didn't want to take on something that was not needed in the community. I wanted to be of service. I wanted to be helpful, Um, so I let that process grow uh, organically. And in that way, I then already also had people, I had a network through those conversations um, and through that growth. Um, It wasn't like I was taking something to market cold. Um, And, you know, as people get older and consider having families in the process of uh, going from being in college to being a young professional, um, 
it wasn't simply that I was taking the ABC book to market cold. It was, I have peers who are now having kids. So this is helpful to more than just my nephew. Um, so. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I mean, that's your, uh, that's your way of market research, which is really important. You know, taking ideas to the market cold, as you say, that, uh, that can often be a, re- a recipe for disaster. Catherine, it looks like we've got a comment from Christian. Yeah, this might be jumping the gun a little, but we all want to know. This is the burning question we all want to know. So, as he says, Christian says, Reinhold's book, How to Self, Reinhold's books, How to Self-Publish chapter, seems a bit dated. Can Laura suggest a more current resource or teach us how to do it? We want the two-minute version so we can go ahead and do it, because I'm sure we we can just do it. We have a lot of questions about that. Uh, yeah. So pitch yourself to a, um, I guess it depends on the topic, right? So pitch yourself to a, um, publishing company or, uh, go the self-publishing route, which is what I did. Um, I went through Amazon, um, pros and cons at the end of the day, they still hold at least an 85% market share of online book sales. Um, so you might as well get in the first stream instead of paying a secondary distribution stream. Uh, they have done a really good job about keeping their tools up to date um, as it relates to their how-tos. So literally just go to kdp.amazon.com, I think, Kindle Direct Publishing, and there's uh, digital options, um, hard uh, printed options. They just released the option for hardcover, which is wonderful. They still don't allow board books as it relates to self-publishing. Um, so from the little architect side, you just have to keep the kids from chewing the page or something. But um, uh, yeah, that's that's the best way to go about it. They have all sorts of formatting. Obviously, Amazon is set for more of a word-heavy process. They're, they want to help publish novels and um, more uh, word-based documents. Um, but as architects, we all probably understand how to deal with InDesign and PDFs. Um, so their templating makes it really easy to understand what your bleed lines are and how big to set up your pages. So, Did you consider going through a publisher or did you just go straight to the uh, self-publishing route? I looked into it enough to know that it was not something that I had any appetite to manage because you get into having to guarantee so many copy sales. Um, and while I did have a network, um, I also was broke as a joke as a young architect and didn't want to take that on. Um, so can you explain that a little bit? Does that mean that you um, you have to guarantee to the publisher that you can sell a certain amount of books in a certain amount of time? You have to um, be able to, if you're an unknown entity in the world, obviously, you know, this is not an issue for someone like Stephen King or someone, um, I mean, heck, probably even someone like Ching. Um, But if you are an unknown entity in the world, you have to take on the risk. So um, you have to cover whatever portion that looks like. And it's different for every publishing company. It could be 300 books. It could be 3,000 books you have to cover the print cost up front um, for that and then hope that that amount sales sells. And there's plenty of stories out there of, of even famous authors, uh, you know, people that you know of pitching their idea to, you know, dozens, if not more publishers and being turned down. So that's, you know, that's not a guarantee either. Um, for those of you that joined us for uh, Context and Clarity Live maybe three months ago now, I don't know, three or four months ago, we, we had Mark Schaefer on who has nine or ten best-selling business books, marketing books. And he, I think, probably for at least the past six has been self-publishing, which actually surprised me. But uh, uh, this becoming, even with uh, best-selling authors, self-publishing is becoming a, a favorite route as well. So yeah. Um, nice. So I'm just going to hit these next two. So when you publish through Amazon on a paperback, 
you upload the cover image and um, spline and back image as a single um, PDF, they check it against um, it. The entire process goes through an internal editing check to make sure there's no like bleed or coverage. Um, if there is, you have to okay that it's still okay for them to print before they first do it. Um, in the initial creation of the uh, book uh, setup on the KDP backend, they assign you an ISBN, both the nine digit and 13 digit, so it technically lives in the Library of Congress. Um, and there is a uh, best use for or desired size for the book itself. So the the airy sketches I kept at the desired size. Um, it's your standard, let's see this way. It's your standard novel um, kind of size. It's a, I think it's like a six by nine or something of that nature. And they, in that process, they will show you um, the best scenarios, how much each version takes to print um, and if you are still in a distribution option stream based on that size. So obviously for this one, I wanted to make sure that it was available everywhere um, and that libraries could get it and that other booksellers and like college bookstores could get it. Um, for the little Arctex alphabet, I went um, a square format just based on what was needed for the design. This is still, I wanted to make sure that it could still be sold everywhere. Um, so you just have to check their listing um, and and understand. And this does take, this does cost a little more to make. There's obviously more paper um, per page, uh, but you can start to fill in. They have all sorts of calculators on their end to understand what the production cost will be what the marketing cost on Amazon's size will be and or on Amazon's side will be and based on if it's you know specific paper type if it's color versus black and white and then based on the price that you set well they will recommend a price to you but you can set any price as it relates to that um as long as you are getting some variety of profit um yeah. And the width of the spline obviously is very different between the two. So once you plug in how many pages you have, it templates out and tells you for that cover PDF design um, how big you need to make the spline. Having never gone through the process, it would seem to me that it's an Amazon's best interest to make it uh, pretty easy to navigate uh, to navigate the whole process. And they're inherently a shipping company, which is why size is important. Um, so they want to make it the most economical as possible to ship a book and to stock a book on a standard bookshelf. Mm. So that's why Christian's question, why would size determine where it can be sold? That's why. Okay. Yeah, they're the Ikea of book shippers. We have a lot of <laughs> very, very specific questions for you. Thank you for answering that. Yeah. <laughs> so. You, um, like you said, you were, well, when you, when you started with ARE sketches, you were a young, recently licensed architect at that point, uh, you had a job, right? um, still doing things on your house and, and everything else you've got going on. You're very involved with AIA at, uh, various levels over the years, various, uh, increasing levels over the years. So how do you find time? <laughs> to <laughs> that's, that's a loaded question. How do you find time to uh, to write books, to do these sketches, to flesh out these ideas? Yeah, uh, it's not a loaded question. It's one I got and still get a lot. Um, it has boiled down to a now very simple answer: in that I'm single, or I was single. Um, thankfully, not anymore. I love my wife, um, but. I was single and just marching to the beat of my own drum. And uh, that meant that I could not just burn the candle at both ends, but I could just throw it on the damn bonfire. Um, so I was working eight to five and I would come home and work on the house for a little bit. And I would then sit in front of the TV and catch up on an episode of whatever. And at the same time, be sketching 
um, for the books. And I would just kind of parse out my time uh, outside of work as needed based on deadlines or goals or things that needed done. Um, obviously, that has changed a little. Uh, the books are slower to um, make progress. I'm still working on um, the third book of the ARE series, which will be like a 2.0 because they've changed the testing process. Um, and I'm obviously working on yet another little architect's book uh, because of my wonderful little niece. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's totally, it's, it's a priority thing. Priorities shift over the process of a lifetime. Um, and I'm sure that they will continue to do so. There's Michelle weighing in. And Michelle says, that's funny, Laura, because I said that this morning. If you don't get married or have kids, you have a lot of time. Yeah. Yep, that's true. But, yeah, well, no comment, because sometimes it's too late. You already have the kids, so what are you going to do? <laughs> but, um, yeah, they'll eventually leave, I guess, and then when the whole empty nest thing happens, that's when you go back to having time, Michelle. I think that's the secret. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, you're not allowed to sell the kids on Amazon, so you have to you have to keep them for a while. Not, not um, work out. But you, when are we uh, publishing our books? It says uh, Christian wants to know, Jeff, Catherine, Mark, when are you publishing your books? I guess my kids are going to have to leave first. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't have a. Uh, I, don't, I don't, don't have a timeline right now. What can I say? You uh, you mentioned the next next. Uh, edition of the ARE sketches. I was going to ask you about that. A uh, couple, couple things about that. Number one, I mean, you already answered, are you going to keep going uh, with the ARE sketches? But I think there's, I think there's something kind of important in what you're doing there that a lot of people think about, holds a lot of people back, I think, when we're talking about anything, creating content or providing services in a certain area or whatever it is. You're now talking about your third volume of, of ARE study guides, if I can boil it down mm -hmm. that way. But there's a lot, there are a lot of study guides out there. There are a lot of, of um, programs out there. There, there's, there are um, communities built around studying for the ARE. You know, there's just tons of people in that space, but yet you decided to write volume one and then there's a need for volume two and now there's a need for the, the third what uh, what made you decide to dip your toe in that water despite the fact that there's you know there's so much else out there on the are uh because i was in those spaces i had literally just finished getting licensed and i knew that what i was creating was not something readily available um the reality is that everything that you do in the day in and day out as an architect is not necessarily everything that shows up on the test. So you literally need to follow the test line by line, or you need to follow the study material. Um, and there's no other way to do that besides going through the study material. And there was no real visual framework for that. Um, so having gone through it so recently myself, I was already in those communities. I was already having those conversations with my peers. Uh, so it just made it for an easy transition. Yeah, I, I hope that's encouragement to people out there. Um, again, whether it's a blog article or whatever the thing is, it doesn't matter if someone else has written it. Somebody needs your version of it. Somebody needs your spin on it. Somebody needs your experience. So, um, you know, as I as I look around, you know, the different, different things that happen in the architecture of the AEC world. Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there, but there's still room for your stuff, whatever that is. Um, there's Carly weighing in from Reading, England. Well, Carly is asking the age old question. How do I know if my book idea is any good before I commit to writing it? I don't know if you can answer that one, Laura. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a very philosophical question. Um, obviously, as we've talked through, um, my process, there was a clear need, um, and there was a organic growth of an idea to that and what that looked like. You know, I went from, uh, discussions online to sharing sketches once a week to creating a newsletter that then gave me a network of people for the book. Um, 
if you are constantly having the types of conversations that revolve around what you want to write about, I would say that that shows there's a pretty clear need. Um, if you find yourself constantly talking about it on Twitter or blogging about it or, you know, any variety of things, you're on YouTube. If you're doing short vlogs, um, that shows a clear need. So, yeah, I think that's a great point too. And a great question. Uh, there's different reasons, right? There's different whys for doing this. You're, you're writing to fill a need as, as you see it and as other people reinforce that discovery but there i imagine there's plenty of authors that write books just to get things out of their head um i don't know how much market research they do on that there's different different type of writing i guess yeah and i guess to hit two birds with one stone then if you really are just wanting to like get it or it's your goal in life one of your main goals before you die is to write a book and have it published like Amazon is the way to go because the the level of entry is literally your time and no money because it's a publish um, as needed process. So they do not public they do not print any books until there is an order. Uh, they actually have publishing warehouses located around the country um, where they print on demand. Uh, so I don't have to do any of that front end guaranteeing of certain min so many sales before it happens. Um, mm. On the back end of that, you know, there's no advanced royalty. There's not typically unless you're Stephen King. Um, Which none of us are. Right. Sadly. Um, I didn't see his name in the He's not here yet. today. Yeah. Um, so... You know, there's no advanced royalty to it, but you're also not out any money. It's not made me rich, but it has been fulfilling. Um, I basically set it aside and use it as travel money, which further fuels me, further makes me interested in, um, in being able to see architecture and see the world in a different way, which then benefits the books I write. So I like that. Yeah. Israel wanted to know what is the return on investment in writing books, and I think you kind of just touched on that. Yeah, but there's a different type of. I don't know if he's speaking about the actual true financial. Sorry, uh, he or she. Okay. If, uh, speaking about the um, financial return, or if she is speaking about the like fulfillment, the um, recognition, you know, the being invited. Being seen as a thought leader, being invited to speak to things, obviously something like this podcast is a very clear return on investment. Um, so it, take it for what you will. You know, the the more people that see it, the the more marketing that happens around it. The more that you are helping any group of people, the more your return on investment. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point. Another question that came up. So Isra's question there is, came up this morning in Clubhouse. There's another uh, that came up this morning, and uh, I apologize because I was not able to grab his last last name, but it was Jeffrey with one F, mm -hmm. which uh, which I, I don't really <laughs> understand this question actually. So maybe you can explain it to me. Yeah. So the question was, um, and, and this goes back to the very beginning of our conversation here. It's how do you how do you make sure. You know, assuming that your goal, and you've already talked about this, and it is your goal, but how do you make sure that you're actually providing value and, and not just being self-promotional and or, because we haven't even talked about promoting the books yet, where's that line between, okay, I'm doing this for to provide value to parents and, and kids or um people preparing to uh, or, or in the process of taking the ARE versus, hey, I'm uh, I'm uh, uh, promoting this and building up my own street cred and, you know, my name in the industry or what, whatever the other side of that is. Um, do, do you give any thought to that? Um, again, going back to the beginning of our conversation, you identified a need and, and you're, mm -hmm. you're providing value and solve in, in filling that need. But does that ever cross your mind? Do you ever see a line 
um, okay, where does this change from being promotional to just being about value? Um, I mean, so I think that there is a likely a line and I think depending on the person, that line is, uh, perhaps easy to see. Um, and now Madeline says hello. Um, it's, it's like a magic <laughs> trick. <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes that line is easy to see it, but it depends on how you approach the process. I have never been one to actively seek out like, Hey, will you have me on your podcast? Hey, will you write an article about me? Um, it has always been a word of mouth growth or people sharing my work because they found value in it. It is people emailing me, thanking me for helping them pass their last test or people telling me those one-off stories about their kid experiencing a walk differently after having read through the ABC book. Um, that is value. That's not self-promotion. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's the Midwesterner in me, but I am still really horrible at self-promotion. I'm getting better at it. Um, but I also am just too busy. Like if, if my, if what I'm doing is valuable, it will grow its own legs and it has done that. So. Yeah, that, that, that's really interesting because as maybe some of you out there can imagine, you know, when we have people on the show, the Mike McCallowitzes, the Seth Godins, the, um, Mark Schaefer's of the world, um, Julie Brown, um, all, you know, authors, they are often. So let me ask Catherine, mm. when we were backstage before we went live with Mike McCallowitz, he told us how many podcast interviews he had done that day, I think. Yeah, or was, it was it that, that week? Like eight or something. It was like that day. I think it was some six or eight podcast interviews that day. But yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. So, that's a lot of time yes. putting into the promotion of your work. Yeah, it certainly yeah. is, and and that's you know th these are professional authors, right? They're not going they're not going to the office to work on the next hotel project or higher ed project or anything like that. Their job yeah. is to promote the book. That's how they how they make their living. So, gi given the fact, Laura, that you know you you really value that feedback. Hey, you know, my, my kid is experiencing the world in a new way. Do you, do you have any regrets in how you have or haven't, uh, promoted the book? Is there anything that you would do differently? Is there anything you're going to do differently with the next book? Um, gosh, I don't know. I sent a handful of both for the ARE process and for the Little Architects Alphabet, I sent a handful of free copies out. Um, I actually need to send some out uh, uh, for the Little Architects Alphabet still. Um, and I tried to align it with that value need, right? Like there's, a, there's an architect that I know who has a little girl who's just getting ready to um, get to that reading phase. But I also know that that architect has a good following. So it is self-promotion to get a book in front of her and eat that cost. Because the risk of that out is far outweighed by the possibility that her little kid, number one, loves it. And number two, she potentially then shares that experience. Um, so I don't think that there's anything that I regret. I also, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So <laughs> maybe in 30 years, I'll be like, dang, I wish I would have done X. But do you think Jeffrey from Clubhouse could have been talking about monographs when you just publish your own work? Right. I mean, there that's a good question, I think, when related to monographs. Are you actually adding value to the world or just promoting your work? But on the other hand, I also want to say that we do work that we want to share with the world and it's okay to promote it. I don't know that that's a bad, I mean, I think in my mind, what Laura is doing is you're creating this value and then you are promoting it to get so other people can be helped. It's not really, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I think architects aren't really great at, um, at, I don't even want to say self-promotion, but at, at, at dealing with the idea of self-promotion. And then some of them are really good at it. I don't know if you've noticed that some architects love their own self-promotion. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, there are, there are many. And, it, you know, if you're around this community uh, for very long, think, thinking back to when we talked to Julie Brown a couple of months ago now about networking, the number of architects that, um, th- that struggle with that idea because they're introverts. Um, you know, I, I don't like the idea of going to a networking event, you know, some kinds of versions of that. And, you know, first of all, personality, right? That's fine. That's who you are. So how do we, how do we learn to adapt and, and do the things that we need to do? And, um, you know, I, I, I look Laura at what you're doing and, and your philosophy on how you're doing it. And it, it totally aligns with your goals. And, and also your, <laughs> your, your life and everything else, right? You, again, we all have to live in, in our own reality. So, um, I suspect that if you had different goals, you would, you would be out there on, on a whole bunch of podcasts and, you know, just like the, the Godens and the Schaefer's and the whoever McCallowitz's and, um, and others. But, um, so, I, you know, there's no right or wrong answer to any of this. Um, it, uh, and, and I wonder, there are a f- several people in the community that have uh, published books as well. I wonder what they're doing in terms of promoting. You know, Christian mentioned Eric Reinhold. I, I don't know what Eric Reinhold is doing to promote his books. I think it's been a minute since he's published one, but um, yeah, I don't know what he does. I mean, I think, and there's things that you learn along the way too. And there's a network of people, you know, we've talked about this a handful of times that you get in your corner um, and you very quickly understand like, what is the value driven process for this person just in that quick interaction, right? Like I'm sure that Seth Godin writes his books to be helpful, um, Mm -hmm. but his idea of helpful looks different. Um, And at some point you also have to value your own time, but still, um, still want to be helpful. Um, I would say an, an outside experience of that with me was when I was doing some of my early research into how to publish a book, I reached out to an architect who had published a book to ask about the process. And they basically shut me down and said, I, I just wrote about this in my book by my book. Well, um, that's not very helpful. That is not helpful. <laughs> And the, the inverse of that is, um, you know, you figuring out what your values look like in a way that is still helpful. So when I first published the, especially the first ARE sketches book, I was doing a lot of the shipping internally. Um, so I would buy author copies, have them shipped to me, and I would ship them out to people who bought them directly from my website because I got like an extra dollar in royalty, right? Did I mention that I was a broke young architect? Mm. Um, I, and, it, and at some point, the va- at some point, the value proposition changes because my time is worth more than what it takes to get that out. So it's easier to just funnel everyone to Amazon, but I'm still being helpful. Um, so the whole idea of that looks different depending on each person's stage in their life. Um, so to answer your question, James, my books are entirely distributed on Amazon. I do not do any of that in-house anymore. But when you, when you talked about getting an, a dollar more, I, I can't remember which Entree Architects, um, podcast I was listening to where you were saying that you got $5 versus $6 You're six versus seven. So, I mean, it was pretty big percentage of, you got a lot more money, relatively speaking, if you, if you sent it right. yourself. Right. Yeah. yeah. So when it, when the royalty is small, the percentage grows. If yes. You, yeah. yeah. And that was a $45 book, you said. Yeah. I was kind of surprised that that was all you were. So that's from Amazon. I mean, I hate to, I, you know, I guess it's rude to talk about money, but since we're all dreaming of getting rich when we put out our books, I think we should get a little, little re- reality check. But so yeah. then Amazon keeps the other um, $40 of the well, $45 book? That's yes, because that's part of their marketing fee and that's the production price for a color book. So, you know, that, that is something that I'm struggling with for the, um, for the next version of the ARE sketches, uh, is potentially reformatting that process to make it slightly cheaper to produce because 
Otherwise, it is going to be exponentially expensive because of how NCARB reformatted the testing. Um, I have the the first book cost forty five dollars and was hundred ish sketches. Um, this next book needs at least five hundred sketches to make it happen, mm. and I'm a, and I'm about halfway through. So you can imagine if I don't reformat it. The price of production is just that much more. Yeah. And I want, and I understand what it's like to be a broke young architect. So I want to keep it accessible to the people who need it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because like, then that would be a $90 book. Right. Your market, the people buying it may, may think twice about that price. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a fascinating process. Uh, and, and I think it, you know, it speaks to a real connection. We, we, you've said this over and over, Laura, in this conversation. We've touched on it, but it, it really speaks to being plugged in to a community and being there to support and deliver value to a community. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of Pat, uh, Pat Flynn, who we spoke to a few weeks ago, um, all about all about community and supporting the community and understanding the needs and you know, delivering something based on, on the needs that you've seen. So, uh, I, I applaud the diligence in refiguring the process, I guess, in that case. Charles so is really, Charles is really interested in saying, <laughs> I see that wag in the background. <laughs> For those of you who are on the listening to the audio only version, we have a, uh, uh, a yellow, a yellow dog and a black dog in the background. Sisters, no, brother and sister, right? Yep. And Charles is done waiting. Charles wants his moment on, on, on YouTube. Uh, so Chris Novelli wanted to know, if um, does Amazon make you sign any agreement where it's only published through them, and can you offer a paperback on Amazon and a PDF download from your own website? Uh, so Amazon does not make you sign any sort of ingredient, uh, agreement. It is your book. Um, you can buy author copies and distribute at will. Um, I actually have, well, as far as I know, the ARE sketches books are only sold on Amazon. I don't know of a third party bookseller who is selling them. Um, but that is part of that distribution stream process, right? So I can open it up when I, um, before I hit go on publishing, I can open it up to different distribution streams. I can choose to only sell it in the US, I can choose to sell it in Amazon UK, I can choose to sell it anywhere, and I can also open it up to libraries, which makes it slightly more expensive because, um, or they set a higher minimum price for the book uh, because then they make less money on it. Um, and I can open it up to uh, um, brick and mortar bookstores, uh, and that is their own process. Brick and mortars go through their own way of getting books into them. Um, mm. So, from an airy sketches standpoint, that is Amazon only. Um, from and I tried really, really hard to get it on the AIA bookstore, uh, and just annoying. Um, the Little Architects Alphabet is in a handful of brick and mortar stores, either of my own volition uh, of like buying author copies, taking it in, showing it to them, getting their interest, and then doing it basically on consignment um, or brick and mortar stores finding and hearing about my book and choosing to buy it internally through their distribution process. And then just letting me know after the fact that they do sell it. Um, the Little Architects Alphabet, I guess, has enough of an audience for architects who want to buy the books for their kids that the AIA bookstore did pick that one up, but they did not pick up the Airy sketches. Um, hmm. Amazon, from also a PDF download scenario, it's annoying. Um, even as a hardback, I had enough people trying to scam my book that it's not worth making a uh, a PDF of um, which with, they were scam scamming which book the ARE sketches or the little architect yeah, yeah. it was gonna be kind of sad to think of people trying to scam the little architect book. well I think they have I've, I've had to write a handful of DCMAs for the little architects alphabet I had to write so many of them for the ARE sketches 
Um, and to be honest, like it's just a process of having time to do a Google search to see if there's free versions of it available. And I have less time now. So, so how do you discover that, that someone has scammed the book, as you say? Uh, Google free title of your book and see what pops up. Um, so wow. you could, it's, it's you could set up a Google alert. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. And I mean, I have Google alerts set up for um, all of the book titles in general, but that doesn't always, for some reason, catch the free things. Mm -hmm. So interesting so, so you so you know you've made it when people are it's, it's like when we get a when we get a troll here we know we've made it so we haven't had for a while so i'm starting to wonder have <laughs> we really slipping. made it Beth? <laughs> we're, we're slipping hey trolls we're still here no um, no they, they they make me really nervous i'm happy they haven't shown up recently yeah um so on monday on context and on our context and clarity conversation on Monday, I uh, started with the question: What's what's the book that you would write? Really interesting feedback from from the community, both on Clubhouse and and in the the Facebook group. Uh, lots and lots of people talking about what they would write, sharing some really interesting ideas. Um, what's what's the best piece of advice that you have for uh, any architect or anybody that's that's in this audience? that thinks they might have a book in them, but there's something holding them back? Um, if it's something you're thinking about more than once a week, invest 30 minutes a week. Invest 30 minutes, three days a week. Like, Just try and see the idea through and see if it has legs. Start talking to people about the idea or sharing snippets of it and see if it has legs. Um, and then you just have to do the work. You just have to follow through on it. So, I, I think that's really great. And as you're saying that, it reminded me because I remember, <laughs> I remember, I forget if we were in Atlanta or Chicago, is at one of the AIA conferences where it's probably volume one. You were delivering. People had had bought <laughs> had bought copies, and and you had a whole bunch that you were carrying around so that you could you could deliver them. Um, yeah, but. Um, but like you said, you had become a part of and had created a community around the sketches. And there are authors out there, not very many of them. I would I would put them in in a pretty high category that actually bring their community along on the process of writing a book, very similar to what you've done. Um, theirs are not sketches, or you know, it's a different format, but they may release a chapter to their email list or whatever, whatever their community is comprised of. Um, and so hearing you talk about that, see witnessing you do that and other authors talk about that um, and that response that you just had, like give it 30 minutes a week or whatever it is. I think that's really great advice. You know, it, for all of you out there, um, start sharing some of these ideas, start testing these ideas out. Like, like we were saying with your community, you know, she said to see, test it, to see if it has legs. I think that's really great. Um, because that also, number one, it tells you, helps you maybe refine the ideas, but also starts to build the audience of people that would potentially buy it. You know, once you do have it published, that's, I think that's great advice. Laura, I appreciate uh, you joining us in this conversation. We've made it very, very quickly to the top of the hour. I just realized we, we uh, tipped over the, the top of the hour here. But thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks for uh, the things that you have already written and uh, the things that are still in your head that will be coming out before too long, I'm sure, as you somehow figure out how to uh, find some time to, to uh, write these things and publish these things. Lots of great advice today. Um, so I appreciate uh, you sharing everything uh, with our audience today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, and definitely start sharing your ideas, people. <laughs> there you go. Start sharing your ideas. Christian just said the trolls sing in Clubhouse. <laughs> That's, That's a true. joke if you missed <laughs> the very beginning. Uh, to those of you out there in our audience, whether you're live uh, with us virtually or you're joining us from the future, which is super cool. 
uh, on the uh, podcast version. Thank you. Thanks for being a part of this audience. Thanks for making context and clarity a thing. Like I said, we started this, um, what, 19, 20 months ago, something like that now. Um, and this wouldn't be a thing if it weren't for all of you, if it weren't for all of you showing up, being a part of these discussions, suggesting topics, suggesting uh, guests like Laura to uh, join us for Context and Clarity Live. So thank you for all of that. Thank you for making Context and Clarity a thing. Catherine, thanks again for keeping the wheels on the bus as usual. And um, for everybody else out there, we'll be back at this again next week for Context and Clarity Live. Uh, again on Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Our guest next week uh, will be Jeff Durkin. He is the owner of Bread Truck Films. He's a videographer, uh, photographer and videographer uh, with a specialty in videography, uh, mainly for architects. Uh, coincidentally or not, he does a lot of work for Jonathan Siegel, who was our guest last week. And uh, so I think it'll be an interesting week next week of talking about uh, media. We, I have already committed to one day next week, maybe it's a fun topic, to talk about architects as characters. So think about movies, think about literature, think about TV shows. Um, we'll talk about uh, architects as characters at some point next week. But uh, join us and then, of course, join us tomorrow for our Context and Clarity conversation. We are back to our mystery member spotlight. I can't tell you who the mystery member will be tomorrow because then it wouldn't be a mystery. But already, uh, we already. Will... how do these how do these two weeks go by? So they fly so fast, Jeff. They go by I say very that every quickly. time. Every time I'm surprised yeah. that it's tomorrow. Absolutely, when I'm we're sure doing it right. every day, it goes by very quickly. So join us tomorrow. Guess who our mystery guest is? Um, get to know the community a little bit better. Uh, until then, please take care of yourself. Be well. Stay safe. Keep those around you safe and well. Find a little bit of time tonight to breathe, relax. Find a little way to be rejuvenated because we're going to do this all over again tomorrow. So thanks, everybody. I appreciate all of you. And I hope that I'll see you sometime somewhere soon. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Okay. Well, there you have it. What did you think of that conversation? Hopefully, there was some big takeaway that will help you this week with your business. If there was, let me know. DM me on Instagram or on Twitter. You can find me on all the socials at Jeff underscore Eccles. So send me a message and let me know what your takeaway was. And if you want more conversations like this, subscribe to the Context and Clarity podcast and leave us an honest review and rating. Those things really help us get the message out and help us help more architects just like you. Oh, and follow Context and Clarity on Instagram as well, so you can get a heads up on everything that's coming up. In our next episode, Catherine will join me again along with a special guest, or will it be guests from the Context and Clarity community, so we can break this conversation down. It will be Context and Clarity backstage, so to speak. So join us as we all share our biggest takeaways and look for ways to apply what we heard in today's conversation to our own businesses. And if you love content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know that you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And finally, if today's topic is of particular interest to you, and you'd like to dig deeper into it, then join me over in the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take these topics and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community, your practice, and how you can support those around you. Catherine and I will be back for our next episode. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context may be. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. 
dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. The one that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.